God bless you. You may be seated. Um, it's an honor to be here. Um, wonderful Spirit of the Lord that we are feeling here today. And, and you got up this morning. You are here, and you wanted to be here, and thank God. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of what God is doing in this uh, church today. I want to speak today uh, about three kinds of holiness, three kinds of holiness, and uh, I will talk to you, Lord willing and time willing, uh, about all those three kinds. When I was in Bible college, um, we had a number of speakers. One was uh, Fern Sism, was her name, Fern Sism. She was the sister of Harry Sism, who was the, uh, later, uh, was the director of what was then called Foreign Missions, now Global Missions. I don't rem the, the thing that I remember about her story that still sticks with me, uh, it was a longer teaching and a longer sermon, but she told the story as going as a teenager to India, and they were having crusades. And so as a 14-year-old girl, whatever, uh, she was part of the ministry team just because that was her family and that's what she should do. And sure enough, God would work. doesn't matter if you're 14 or 40 or whatever. And uh, she would pray for people, and people readily received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in other tongues, and uh, lives were changed. So she's going down the row and praying for uh, different ones. And she got looking at the next person she was going to pray for, and she turned the other direction. Because this uh, lady uh, had leprosy, and her head already was mushy, and she was disfigured, uh, and it had advanced pretty far. And she couldn't imagine laying her hands on her and then... Um, having your hands sink in or whatever. I mean, just it was gross. So she turned, and the Lord just stopped her right there. You're like, yeah, you know, that's somebody I died for. You need to pray for him. So she went back and prayed for the lady. And the lady received the Holy Ghost. And uh, in that culture at that time, lepers were kept apart from the larger uh, population. But this lady was so... Um, elated at what God had done for her, that she went to her home and uh, down a long road, and there was a gate in front of the house, and her mother happened to be coming out the door at the uh, time that she was approaching the gate. And uh, her mother said, Go away! You're not welcome here! Leave us! You are not supposed to be here at all! And uh, the only thing she could think to say, she said, but mother, I have to tell you, Jesus made me beautiful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul uh, lists a number of... Uh, very serious sins. 
He says, uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor files, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. Long list. And then he says something that's really significant, verse 11. He says, and such, and such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In, in, the, in the Greek, it's all in what's called the aorist tense. And how the verbs s- stick together here is that they're all about one single event. So, you're washed. That obviously has to do with baptism. You're sanctified. The word there, sanctified, is a kind of a big word, but it really means made holy. You're, you're, you're like, you weren't holy, now you're holy. You're full of sin, now you're not full of sin. You're made holy. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. And these are all, bing, single event. Washed, sanctified, justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and again, that's baptism. Scholars are universally agreed. And by the Spirit of our God. So, name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. Born again. Now, people get hung up on this, you know. They, they don't understand it because they're coming from what's called a forensic or legal uh, way. They'll go like, uh, Brother Norris, uh, I don't understand what you're saying there. It's sort of, this is really confusing. What are you trying to tell us? I, well, what do you mean? Well, uh, well, when you repent, are you like one-third saved? Are you baptized another third saved? Are you, are you just uh, Holy Ghost? Is that like a third? Or what is that? It's like all one deal. You say, well, what if they repent? Well, then get baptized. Does Jesus still love you when you repent? Yeah. Well, when you're baptized and you don't have the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost. It's pretty simple. Uh, you're, <laughs> so this guy goes to the wedding. He goes, uh, hey, psst, psst. the bride's already coming to the aisle. You don't know the guy. And he says, uh, I got a question for you. And you say, okay, what's the question? Like, when are they actually... Married. Excuse me? I, I, I just need to know. It's, uh, it's something that's bothering me. It's an ontological issue, metaphysical understanding. I got to know. What are, you, what are you saying? Is it when they say I do? Is it when the preacher signs a license? Is it when they receive the license? Is it when the marriage is sexually consummated? I just need to know when, at what punctiliar moment, are they married? And you're thinking, are you on drugs? or (laughs) What is wrong with you? 
You're thinking legally. The Bible is written covenantally. I'll say that again, just because I want to. You're thinking forensically, legally. You're asking a question that the Bible is not pointing an answer to. It's written covenantally. Here's my invitation. Come get married. Aren't you glad the Lord called you? Would you raise your hands and love the Lord with me? Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. So uh, here's a question for you. A guy is an axe murderer, let's say, and he uh, kicks his dog on the side. He's mean to the waitress. He ran people off the road on his way to church, but he, he wanted to come to church because he heard that good stuff was happening there. He's high on drugs. He's got more metal stuff and everything on his body is a tattoo. I, I'm just trying to make him, whatever that means to you, to be exceedingly whatever that is. So he uh, comes to church and he hears the message that Jesus died for him. And he goes, oh, I, I, you know, I, I live in this country. I've heard about this, but I, I never really thought of it in this way. And so he said, oh, that Jesus could die for me. And so he comes to the altar. Thank God. He comes to the altar. He weeps and cries, and somebody prays with him. And the, uh, he says, have you asked the Lord? Yes, I've asked the Lord. Do you want to serve? Yes, I want to serve. He shows him some scriptures. You really need to get baptized. Okay, I want that. So he gets in the tank, and they explain all that to him. He's, he, you know, it's like Paul, rise, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So he comes out of the water, and, and they told him it would happen. He didn't want to have it so soon. He starts speaking in the tongues as the Spirit gives the Holy Ghost. All right, here's a question for you. Is he saved? I'll pick on the people. The, yes. These are my people right here. At that moment, this terrible, terrible guy, is he saved? You sure? All right. Let me ask you another question. Is he holy? Okay, this is a bad guy. He's an axe murderer. He kicks his dog. Is he holy? Do you think he's holy? Okay, they're all agreeing that he's holy. How in the world did he get holy? Because Jesus made him beautiful. He made him holy. Amen. That's called imputed holiness. Uh, I-M-P-U-T-E-D, imputed. It means it's a gift. You didn't earn it. But Jesus made us holy. Amen. Okay, so let me do this here. Uh, I need one of you guys to be a volunteer. I need one of your girls to be a volunteer. Hopefully not a brother and sister or somebody. Okay, come up here. All right. So I want to talk about grace and faith. Grace and faith. 
I want to talk about grace and faith. So this is, I need you to understand this. Grace is what God gives to us. Grace. It's not for a select few. It's not like you get grace, you don't get grace. The grace of God appears to all men. Okay? So then our response is faith. Okay? Our response is faith. Uh, That's to say, we say yes to the wooing of God. All right, so here's my example of grace and faith. Now, let's theoretically say you're interested in this young lady here. Okay, I'm going to use that as an analogy of grace. You're going to be like God's grace reaching out to her. Okay, you got that? God's grace reaching out to her. Uh, So what would you... We'll make it easy. Say, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? He, he did that well. All right. Now, if, 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 okay, so God's not willing that any should perish, right? Is God's will always get done? Is God's will always done? Well, that's crazy. He's God. Well, he gave us free will. He gave us the opportunity to choose. And so grace comes. The girl always chooses, by the way. Either you make the signals or you don't make the signals. All that stuff you read in romance novels about the, the guy, you know, going through and, and, and he's going to keep going. No, no. Male ego is very weak. You have to give lots of signals right away. Otherwise, they are not, they're headed out for somebody who's more interested. All right, so this is grace. This is faith. So you have to respond, right? All right, so what, you say you're lying, and then we'll see what she does. Hey, how's it going? Okay, it's all in the facial, though. Let's say, good. Good. <laughs> all right, grace and faith. For by grace you're saved through faith. Turn to your neighbor and say that. For by grace you've turned. Amen. So God's grace, your response. Let's give this uh, group a great hand. Oh, excellent. I had a professor in seminary who had just written an article on faith in the Bible, and here's what she said. She said, most of Christendom defines faith wrong. That in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, even in Paul, we've read Paul wrong, that faith is never a matter of just simply saying yes, that faith always goes along with action. That faith is never divorced from my response, a specific response, a doing response to what God called me to do. All right, so let's go back to Corinthians for a minute. And such were some of you. You were a homosexual. You were uh, an extortioner. You were all of these things. You were 
a defrauder. You, were, you stole from people. You robbed. You, you partied all night. And such were some of you. But when the gospel was spoken to you, you responded. Now, sometimes people accuse uh, others of works, a work salvation. They say, uh, if you go down to the altar and repent, that's works. I don't believe in works. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. If you did wrong and you went to ask someone for forgiveness and they forgave you, did you work for that? Or did you just show up? You're just showing up. Well, I, I, don't, I don't believe in baptism. Uh, if it has anything to do with salvation, I actually, um, that would be a work. Uh, I believe that that's uh, just outward sign of inward belief. I, well, it is an outward sign of inward, inward belief. But uh, when you are dunked in the water, the water is not magical. You didn't, it wasn't your great power to get dunked. You just showed up. Because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're buried with him in baptism. It's Jesus who has already done the work on the cross of Calvary who is making us beautiful. Well, I went down and I tarried for the Holy Ghost. I waited until you just showed up. That's all you did. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, you could get dunked a million times. It would be not efficacious at all for you. Praise God. Thank God. It's the work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. All right. So since you're helping me out and you've already done your part, thank you so much, by the way. I'm now calling for you. Come on up here. Now, this time, there's no axe murder. There's just you. And uh, you, you do not kick your dog. And when you go through the line and they say, would you like to round up? Something in your heart says, I will round up. And you leave your cash. There was a little old lady coming to church and you walked her in. All those things. But guess what? You've never really committed to Jesus. And... Uh, you're not sure if you want to live for him. I'm going to use, this is not a very high platform, so it's going to make it trickier. I'm going to use this platform as the baseline for celebration, right? Now, here's my question. Are you above it or below it? That's salvation. Nothing. You got nothing. Get down. You don't have to get entirely under it. Imagine him being under the platform. I, I, I somehow remember this as being a high platform. This, this worked better in my mind than it's working. In, uh, in actuality. All right. This is the baseline. He is not saved. Okay, let's say, let's say you give all your money to the poor. Is he up there now? Okay. He uh, goes to war and self-sacrifice. He runs out and saves a bunch of people. Is he saved? Huh. Well, here's the deal. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's just a low operation here. Okay. <clears throat> How's your knees? Are they doing that? Okay. It's okay. None of us earned anything. 
their salvation. Jesus died, buried, rose again. That's the good news, 1 Corinthians 15. That's the good news of the gospel. And so when we simply respond to the grace of God and have faith in that, respond, and you're born again, then you made it up here. Thank God. That was a little sport. Okay, all right, come on over here. What's the first kind of holiness? Tell your neighbor. Imputed. See if they've got, see if they have that pronounced correctly. Turn to your neighbor and see if they got this. Imputed holiness. All right. So, uh, <laughs> I have this prop here. Brother Gleason almost, he came in the church and he saw someone left a ladder there and heads were rolling. <laughs> and I almost lost my prop. But I, I, can someone bring my prop out here? Can you, can you fall off a ladder pretty good? I just, okay. Let me see how I'm doing at time. Yeah, that's what they always say. Two things that you need in preaching and cakes, and that's shortening. So I got like 14 minutes, and we're going to do this. All right, so when I, when I ask incoming freshmen, how do you get saved? Uh, particularly if they were raised in the church, they often tell me something that I find peculiar, uh, but they'll say, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost, and live a holy life. I'm not sure where they got that. Not sure the formula that, that's written down somewhere or how that works. And I'm certainly not against uh, living a holy life. I think that's pretty good. I'm for that, and for that other stuff, too, so I'm for all that. Uh, I team teach a class, uh, freshman, it's doctrine with Brother Bernard, and the first thing he says, he'll say, Acts 2.30 is not made, that's easy for you to say, Acts 2.38 is not the plan of salvation, Jesus is the plan of salvation. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter got up and preached, what did he preach? Jesus, his death burial, and resurrection. And it was in response to that, what shall we do? They say, well, this is what you do. Repent, be baptized, get the Holy Ghost, and the promise to you, your children, all are far off. It means the Lord God shall call. Amen. And then you're holy. And then you're holy. Now, thank God, that's where you start. Give me uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 11 to uh, 14 or 15. Uh, yeah, that's not it. Try 14 see what that gets me. Yeah, that's, we'll do that one. <laughs> I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The word disciples related to the word discipline. You're doing stuff in a regular way. When I was in Sunday school in, in 10 and 11, my grandmother was the teacher, and she taught us uh, Christian habits, disciplines. You know, pray every day and read your Bible every day. And, uh, you know, offering and tithes and fasting and all. Those are Christian disciplines, and they help you get closer to the Lord. As we walk for the Lord, do you want to get closer to the Lord? He does want to get closer to the Lord. Thank God for that. And that is called... Uh, progressive, progressive 
holiness. Uh, if you're taking notes, write that down. Otherwise, just tell your neighbors. Second kind of holiness is progressive holiness. Okay, and this, this is probably the key of what I want to tell you. Tell me your name. Luke. Luke, I, should, I probably know that. I am so sorry. Okay, so this is Luke. You can take a step there. You think you can fall down from a ladder? You think that? I won't go that high. All right. For this example. Okay, go take up one step. So Luke, he's starting, he's, he's, he's made holy. He's starting to read his Bible. Feeling good about yourself? Pretty good. He is feeling good about himself. He's praying every day. Everything's going good. And uh, he is being consistent. He takes another step. Okay, that's all we're going to go. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> but then something happens. I don't know. Um. Uh, he gets on his phone and starts looking at pornography. He kicks his dog. Uh, he um, says a bad word. He, uh, whatever you want to say. All of a sudden, every progress he's made is gone. And he falls flat. That's not much of a fall. Can we? <laughs> we'll take what we can get here. You're down, you're down, you're down. <laughs> but look where he fell. Did he fall there? Or did he fall here? Just stay down. So, uh, mom and dad. Mom and dad got their little baby. Their baby's coming home from the hospital. They're so happy. And they, they months go by, and, and then the big day. They're there, and, they, and the baby had been, you know, touching. Them, and they crawl, and finally leaning, and then they say, come to Dada. They've got the phone on. They've got the video on. And that little baby goes like this. Ah. Taking it first, they've captured it on video, and then the next step, it's amazing. They're clapping, they're praising the Lord, they're ready to send this to everybody. And the baby takes a third step and then falls. So they go to that little baby, they open the front door, they throw the baby out <laughs> the front door. Don't come back until you learn how to walk. We don't have ping pong salvation. You're saved, you're lost, you're saved, you're lost, you're saved, you're lost. Okay, you did good, I'm sorry. Let's just give him a hand. I'm just, uh, you're good, thanks. Good ladder, too, Brother Gleason. Okay, I've got seven minutes. Let me see what I can come in on the landing on. So I'm teaching a freshman class, and this young man, this happened more than once in my years of teaching. He said, Brother Norris, you're wrong. I, I, excuse me? What you just said is just wrong. I'm like, okay, what did I say wrong? He said that 
you said that God's grace would keep us and that the rapture would happen, we would go, even if there's some difficulty in our life, but, but uh, that's wrong. I said, it is. He said, the Bible says without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So you're telling me that you have to be essentially perfect then. Is that what you're telling me? That's right. Well, what if you have a wrong thought? You repent. Okay, so what if you repented for the day? You're walking down the hall of the Bible college. You see this beautiful young lady, and you have a lustful thought. And the rapture happens. You go on? Nope. Hmm. Bad attitude? No. <laughs> Nothing. I said, well, that's going to be a pretty small group then. I know Jesus will be there. <laughs> the same grace of God that brought you is the same grace of God that keeps you. We cannot think that it was up to God coming here and now it's up to us to do everything right. And we're working our way to salvation. This is not what that is. We don't need to be fearful of the comfort one another with these words. You can look forward to, to Jesus Christ. You're not getting saved because you did X number of things. That's not why you're going to the rapture. You're going to the rapture for the, the same reason that you got saved because Jesus died for you. He was buried for you. And he rose again. He's called you to himself. So, yeah, I'm for living a holy life. But if we add that on to, like, this is the plan of salvation, that I work, 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 until I'm just perfect, then that's the wrong thing. Because it will only lead to one thing, condemnation. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation. Satan brings condemnation. Jesus brings conviction. Conviction is pretty easy to handle. You just say, I'm sorry, Lord. I love you. He's not throwing you out the door. He's embracing you. The Father was waiting for the Son that went so wayward. He is waiting for a turn. He loves you so you are his child. Don't live in progressive holiness as if you are earning your way to heaven and one slip and God will get rid of you. That is not the way to understand a Christian life. That's what Satan would like you to believe. But I'm telling you, we serve a God that's greater than that. He's more powerful than that. And his grace will keep you no matter what. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You say, well, Brother Norris, I'm just worried about sloppy agape. I'm just worried about people, um, you know, and I got four minutes. I'm coming in, I'm coming in for landing. Uh, I'm just worried about people who, uh, you know, they're just not going to do anything because they just. If I could give you the lay of the land, uh, I don't, I'm sure there's somebody who thinks that, but of the young people I teach. They struggle with the other thing. Am I worthy? Am I worthy? 
Nobody's worthy. Jesus made us worthy. He made us worthy. We need to rejoice in our salvation. We need to rejoice in who he made us. We need to rejoice in the plan. Here's what I believe. I believe that God has called every one of you for this generation to reach the world. I believe there are people that you can touch and reach that nobody else can reach. I think we're living at a pivotal time. I think the world has changed and is changing. Revival winds are sweeping everywhere. And I, all we got to do is just show up and be what God wants us to be and just be who we are and, and share who we are with others. And I think God is going to use every one of you to change the world. You don't need to live in condemnation. You don't need to live in fear. You don't need to live in thinking that you have to be uh, some ultimate worthy person. It's Jesus who makes us worthy. And the last is uh, ultimate uh, holiness. We're not going to achieve that in this life. When I, we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord and praise him together.